0: This is the Roots Student Ministry podcast where our mission is for middle school and high school students to establish strong roots in their relationship with Jesus by connecting in the body of believers, growing in their knowledge and faith, and going to serve the community and the world. If you would like more information about us, check out our website at icrossroads.org roots, or you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at CSM Roots. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this message. Hey everyone, welcome to week two of our big Questions series where we talk just about that, your questions that you probably have swirling around in your brain. And so I wanna start by telling a story of someone I really looked up to. And if you have an older brother or sister, you probably know the feeling of wanting to be just like that, especially when you were a kid. You go through phases when we, we go through phases when we look up to siblings that are ahead of us and they can do no wrong and their attention means everything to us. It's so why when my older brother got really good at track, I decided that I wanted to try that sport. And, and so he did, all, all of, he did track all through high school and did really well in races. And, and I had high hopes of winning races just like he did. And after a try at track in sixth grade, I quit because I wasn't getting first place and I hated losing. And it's why when he started to intern at the church that I grew up in, I, I saw it as an opportunity for me to do the same thing. I saw that everyone liked him and they thought that he was super funny. And so to me, I, I could live up to his comedy and, and everyone would laugh at my jokes too. But I didn't really stick to jokes like he did and people more laughed at me than with me. And so looking back, I realized that some of me imitating and copying my brother was because I looked up to him but it was also me trying to figure out who I was. Was I supposed to be just a younger version of my older brother, or was I supposed to be someone different with my own interests? I may not have used these words, but there was a big question that I was asking. Who am I? Like me, you might not actually use the words, who am I, but you may have wondered or thought about some version of that question. What we're really asking about is our identity. Identity is what makes us, us. It's what makes us, makes us unique and causes us to be different from everyone else. And if you're like me, you can sometimes struggle to, to even begin to understand how to answer this question. And the tricky thing about identity is that most of the time, we're not asking the question with just ourselves in mind. We're deciding who we are based on what the people around us think of us or based on who they are. And we can tend to base our, ident- our identity on what others expect of us. We think about what other people want us to be or need us to be, and we constantly feel the pressure to live up to expectations of family, of friends, of teachers, and coaches. Our parents want us to be responsible so, so we see responsible as being part of our identity. Or a coach wants us to be a leader so we make that part of our, of our own identity. It's, it's not who we actually are as much as it is what people think that we should be. At the same time, we tend to base our identity on, on areas where we feel judged by others. We see ourselves through the lens of being not enough or whatever they expect from us. Like, we're not blank enough. We're not funny enough. We're not tall enough. We're not confident enough. We're not smart enough. The list goes on and on and on, and and we define who we are based on areas where we feel like we don't measure up. And maybe you feel like you must act or be a certain way because of your race or cultural background. And for you, maybe you realize that you're more than the label or judgment others have placed on you, but you're not sure what that means or looks like. You just know that what others have given you is an incomplete picture, and there's more to you than that. Also, we tend to base our identity on our image, how we appear to others. Others see us as the star athlete, so that's how we see ourselves. Our, Our teachers see us as a below average student, so that's how we see ourselves. But no matter how we would explain our identity, the question for all of us is the same. It's really the question underneath, who am I? And this one big question feeds our insecurity. It drives the decisions that we make and it determines the friends that we have. And the question is, am I enough? And some of you may answer yes to this question, but you'd probably say, yes, I am enough, but. And you may be quick to point out the areas where you're not measuring up. Because let's be honest, the areas where we don't measure up seem to take up a lot more thinking than, we, uh, than the areas that we do right. Others of you may answer the question by saying, no, I, I'm not enough because no matter what anyone tells us, we just have a hard time believing that we could ever be enough. However you'd answer that question, here's the good news. What we talk about today has a potential to be a game changer for you in the way that you answered it moving forward. I probably don't have to tell you this, but people have been wondering, am I enough since the beginning of time? And today we're going to look back at an interaction between Jesus and a group of people in the book of John, which is one of the four books in the Bible that talk about Jesus' life on this earth. And so in John's book, he records a miracle that Jesus performed. And let's check it out in John 6, 1 through 7. It says, After this, Jesus went across the Sea of the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs that he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. And Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him. And he asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? And Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than a half a year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even a little bit. All right, so, so right away there's a problem. Jesus could tell that the people are hungry. And the disciples are freaking out. And and I would be too. Like, how are these guys going to eat? Hungry people become hangry people really fast. So the disciples are wondering what to do. And none of the disciples make enough money to buy enough food to feed all of these people. But Jesus doesn't seem worried. So check out what happens next in verse 8 and 9. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that for a crowd like this? Andrew mentions what that there's this this youth like someone like maybe probably like you who has some food. And we aren't even told if this youth is a boy or a girl. It's just a young person. Maybe maybe even a child though. And in the 1st century culture that would have made this kid not so valuable in the eyes of society. In fact, children tended to be viewed only as property. They weren't anything special. And the only value that children had was in what they could do for their family. But there's something else to notice. The young person didn't have regular bread. He had, he or she had barley bread. And it's interesting that John decided to include that detail. Because back then, this was the kind of bread that people who were poor ate. This was the kind of bread that you ate when you didn't have a lot of money or status. And this this youth, this child, obviously didn't come from a family with a lot, but he or she was willing to use what they had anyways. And so John continues in verse 10 through 15. Jesus said, "'Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there, and they sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish.' each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming into the world. Jesus understood that they were about to come and force him to be their king. So he took refuge again alone on a mountain. Okay, so Jesus did something miraculous, something extraordinary, something that someone with supernatural power could do. And he took a little bit of barley bread and fish and he fed the whole crowd. There ended up being so much food that there were even leftovers. And that's a crazy miracle. And Jesus is the obvious hero of the story, but John makes it to a point to, he makes it a point to draw attention to a different hero. And the youth in the story, which is not even given a name, and not like not coming from wealth or privilege, not having a lot of, a lot to offer, the youth was still featured front and center. And I wonder if John doesn't want us to forget the role Jesus allowed that this kid to have in the story. Jesus could have provided the food with no help at all. I mean, he made, a blind, he made blind people see and he brought dead people back to life and it wouldn't have been and taken much to bring food out of nowhere. But that's not what happened. Jesus takes the food from a barely noticed child and makes the child a part of the story taking place. Why? Because Jesus knew who this kid was. This child was made in the image of God and that alone made this young person a part of the story we're celebrating. Jesus wasn't limited by what this kid had or didn't have and the same is true for us. Jesus says that what we have and who we are is enough. So think of it this way, you don't have to prove that you're enough. So let me give you an example of this, all right? You see, we struggle with feeling like we're enough. For example, take your grades, for example, all right? You may not think that you're the smartest person. You may not think you're the smartest person in the world at all, but in your mind, there's a certain level of success in this area that will be enough for a teacher or a parent or a stepparent or a guardian to approve of. You might even go just a little bit above it, right? And so they'll be super happy with you when that happens. Or take the extra, extracurricular things that you are involved in, okay? So we're gonna pour this in here. It could be uh, you're trying to be one of the best players on the team or one of the best actors in the play. And there's kind of this line that's enough. You have a certain expectation that you have for yourself or maybe possibly a coach or a director has placed on you. And that equals a good performance in that role. And if you can do what you're expected to do without messing it up, you're still gonna be enough. You might even go a little bit above the standard, and that's good, and that's, they're gonna be happy with you, right? And this happens in so many areas of life. We believe that success and great performance inevitably leads to being liked and accepted. If we're funny enough, if we're smart enough, if we're skinny enough, if we're trendy enough, if we're fast enough, if we're pretty enough, if we're strong enough, if we're, if we're winning enough, if we're successful enough, or even if we're Christian enough, then we'll be enough, right? But there are some challenges with this mindset. Number one, the first challenge, we compare ourselves to other people. And we know the areas where we do pretty well and get close to the enough line, but there are also, we also know the areas where we don't do as well. And we all tend to focus on the negative, And we focus on the people who seem to be above the enough line, way up here. Which naturally leads us to compare ourselves with people who seem smarter or cooler or better or nicer or more popular or more responsible than us. And since we feel like we could never measure up to them, we decide, we decide that we will never be enough this enough standard doesn't matter anymore. In other words, there are always someone, there's always someone who is better than us, which in turn makes us feel like we have to get better in order to move on up. And so that line for enough gets higher. And number two, the second challenge with this mindset that we compare ourselves, we compare ourselves to ourselves We all have this invisible standard that we want to live up to. And as soon as we fail in that area, we decide that we're not enough. And let's say that you play a great game, but then that uh, that game becomes our new standard, which means that you expect yourself to play like that every single time. And so that standard changes, and what is enough ends up getting higher. And so if you're not living in that standard, and that enough line, that just kills you. It just doesn't feel like what you give is enough anymore. So you move that line higher and, and, and higher and higher in hope that you will feel enough next time. But because of that, you continually find yourself in a no-win situation. Everyone who, who's been watching this or everyone in the room, maybe even watching with you right now, has felt this not enough at some point in their life. Even the people who seem like they have it all together. It's a universal experience where we feel like, hey, this is what we're giving and this is what enough is supposed to be. And if we're all honest, we have a hard time liking the person who doesn't measure up, the person who isn't enough, and that person is us. But when we add Jesus to the equation, we can stop trying to prove that we are enough. Because Jesus comes in and he removes this. He gets rid of it. He doesn't care about any of this. And he takes whatever we have and he makes it enough. And he just continues to pour into us until it overflows. And he just continues to pour. Because to him, it's not about if we're enough. Jesus takes our feelings of not enough and he he says, no, 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 you are enough. You are full. See, it's exhausting to have so much of our identity tied up to what other people think or expect or want from us. It makes us feel like the bar is always moving and the standard is always changing for who we should be. We may be enough in this situation with this person today, but what about tomorrow? Who knows? All right, so that's the end of my little explanation. Which is what makes what Jesus says and does such good news for us. His love for us doesn't change. He isn't temperamental. Jesus isn't waiting to see how we perform. He isn't wondering what we can offer. You are enough because Jesus says that you are enough. The feeling of not being enough is a normal part of being human. At some point or or another, we'll all deal with it. In response, we may try to prove that we have what it takes and we practice harder and study harder and work harder and and put in more energy and we try to prove to people that we're the best athlete, the most accomplished student or the the employee of the month or or we try to hide so that no one notices. Feeling like we're not enough feeds our insecurities so we do everything that we can to keep people from seeing it. So what can we do when those feelings come up? Start by asking yourself these questions. Number one, where in my life do I feel like I am not enough? Around friends, at home, when it comes to grades, sports, at church? And number two, when I don't feel like I am enough, do I tend to respond by hiding, proving myself, or something else? And number three, how different would my life look if I stopped trying to prove myself or hide in this area? Or to put it another way, what would it look like to believe Jesus when he says, I am enough? Or number four, when I feel that way, how am I going to remember that I am enough? A tip from my own experience, memorizing what God said is true about me helps when I start to believe differently. Ephesians 2.10 may be a good place to start. And here the Apostle Paul writes, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That first phrase is a great place to start. We are God's handiwork. We are a piece of art. When we battle the feelings of not being enough, one of the worst things that we can do is believe that we have to deal with it alone. And that's why we care so much about life groups and life group leaders. Because everyone needs someone to to remind them what is true when it doesn't feel true to them. We do these life groups every Wednesday night. And I imagine that even the youth in the story that we read wanted to provide for more than just himself or herself. And I imagine that this youth wanted to do something to help. That's why they offered their food to Jesus. But it's also important to note that Jesus was able to create a miracle to create enough where there wasn't enough. Being enough is about more than feeling good about yourself, though that is important. But it's also about knowing that you have everything that you need to be a major force for good in the lives of others. Imagine what might be possible if you started to believe that you are enough and that God can use you to be a force of good in the lives of others. What if you walked into school believing that about yourself so that you could take a break from trying to prove or trying to hide and imagine what you may feel instead? I really believe it could change you and the people around you. You don't have to prove that you are enough. Jesus says that you are enough. And that's really great and really true news. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you pour into us, that you are the one who says that we are enough. God, I pray that we don't feel like we have to act a certain way or we have to be a certain way, but we can just accept you, we can trust you, and we are enough because of you. So God, I pray that as we receive that, that you just start to change us, you start to do things in us so that we can just feel confident in knowing who we are in you and that we are enough. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen.